0: Bible in front of you, and we should also have it on the screen. So Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, for God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. In the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise
1: Psalm 116 is one of a group of psalms from 113 to 118, uh, known as the Halal. Um, I think I've mentioned that a few times. Um, The Halal was, or are, the Halal psalms are those psalms that the people of Israel sang Every year, as they're sort of like uh, the Christmas carols of the Jewish nation, except uh, Christmas is the Passover. And so, whenever we read a Hallel song, as Jade has read just now, we are we are are singing. As we sang earlier, um, we're singing one of those hymns that Lord Jesus, no doubt sang with his disciples. I mean, the debate is whether they sang the whole halal, 13 through 118, when they went out from uh, the garden of Gethsemane, uh, to, and when they um, went out from the Passover meal uh, afterwards to spend the night with, with Jesus on the night of his betrayal. So, uh, also at the institution of the Lord's Supper. So, it's so very appropriate, all of these psalms are appropriate, but I, I thought I was doing the um, Jay suggestion of running the thread back from First John, and, uh, I, and honestly, was having a hard time coming up with a proverb, I mean, I think probably, but he had, he had said, Proverbs are psalms. <laughs> so I seized upon psalms, um, and so tonight, I'm not going to give a point-by-point outline true confession simply because of uh, time shortage uh, this week uh, for me. So um, but I will, I'm going to go through this song. But uh, the main thread is in the first verse from First John that we read this morning in fact the whole epistle. And it's I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Why, why do I love the Lord? Because he loved He loved me. That's David's uh, uh, response here in uh, this psalm. Um, It's interesting this psalm is also used. Anybody from an Episcopal background here? Anybody? No Episcopals tonight, I see. Well, if you were of the old uh, 1929 prayer book, uh, you would know there was a uh, service in that that prayer book called The Churching of Women. Has anybody ever heard of this? It's a a service in the uh, Book of Common Prayer and it is to go and celebrate the safe arrival of a baby. And so you can see uh, from the language of the psalm how appropriate this is for that service, um, and we take for granted. I was talking to um, uh, Noe Hendricks this week, who was great with child, was planning to go back to Armenia to have her child. And my first question uh, in a few months, and I said, uh, how, how's the prenatal care in Armenia? And she smiled and said, it's not all that good. We take for granted incredible Prenatal care we have here. There were generations that didn't take it for granted and the very act of surviving childbirth was an occasion of worship and I, I uh, commend the Episcopal Church for, for that and uh, this is the song uh, that they chose for that uh, particular liturgy. I, and as you, as you uh, read it uh, if you ever have occasion to visit someone in that condition, it's a, it's a good song to know about from that perspective as well. If you've ever been in a near-death experience, or if you ever have had a, a miraculous uh, deliverance from a, a great ordeal, uh, you think of the song. The second, the um, the 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 biblical reason to give attention to it is to remember the context of the hallel that Jesus and his disciple used. The context was the Passover. And what was the Passover about? The Passover is about the deliverance of the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. The slavery and the bondage of Egypt. And so there is this spiritual analogy Food as well. I believe that David is the author. And when you think through David's life and all of the near escapes from death that he experienced, it's easy to see the context that the Holy Spirit used to bring us this very encouraging song about loving the Lord. I love the Lord. Why does the psalmist David love the Lord? Because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. He saw me in my desperate condition, and he was merciful to me. How many times in the life of David... Did he need the Lord to hear his voice? The times that were enumerated in Scripture are obvious, but how many other times were there that we don't read Scripture when he was a shepherd in the sheepfolds, when he, when he, when he fought off lions and he, he was in, exposed to danger as he kept watch over the flocks at night. We know of his uh, miraculous deliverance from. From Goliath, his young boy who goes out and picks up smooth stones in a brook and names the first one and hits Goliath right in the head. He must. It was an amazing victory that God had used him, and yet, and yet uh, he knew uh, the risk he was taking. Or later on, not long after that, as he ran away from Saul, who was constantly seeking his life, and uh, on more than one occasion. sought to put David to death and, and pursued, and yet in every circumstance he was miraculously delivered. And then as he uh, grew into manhood and he had a family, he experienced what many uh, godly families experience. His, his own son, his favorite son, Absalom, in absolute rebellion against him, and and. Deb- and brought about a a civil war in in the nation of Israel and disgraced him in in every way possible that a man can be disgraced. And yet God delivered him. Um, And even as he he grows older, uh, as he's delivered when he goes out for the last time to fight a battle, Giants, And he is told by his men, we're taking the car keys, David. You're not going out anymore. And yet God was merciful to him. Near death. The snares of death, it says, encompassed me. The pangs of shale had laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. And then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. In this first section, verses 1 through 4, you have this uh, uh, incredible dependence upon the Lord. And and this is the essence of prayer. I love the Lord. Why? Because he heard my voice. We know uh, God moves David to pray the prayers that, He should pray, and that's why God has put them in the middle of the Bible, 150 model prayers for God's people in worship, in public worship, in private worship. But David's love for the Lord is, as I preached this morning and the week before, something that he didn't have on his own, that God had worked in him. His love for the Lord was because of uh, the prayers that God had ordained for him and then verse 1 you have it's because he heard my voice and he heard my pleas for mercy and then verse 4 uh, that he the very fact that he calls on the name of the Lord is because he has prayed oh Lord deliver my soul uh, what an what a encouragement to pray How often do we we spend our time and all our efforts, self-confession of ruminating over in my mind things that I have absolutely no control over, getting all worked up and depressed and discouraged about things that I cannot possibly change, and yet having at the very moment that I'm doing that access to the throne of Almighty God who has ordained the outcome Already and has said in his word so plainly in so many places and no more explicitly in these four verses that my prayers are part of his plan. And my prayers are part of the deliverance that he has ordained. In deep darkness, in shale, in the place of of the dead that, that is about to overtake him. Take him, he lays hold in his distress and his suffering. Whatever point in his life that the Holy Spirit moved him to write this psalm, this is the message. And why? We have in verse 5 the answer because of who God is, because of the character of God. Gracious is the Lord. Gracious is the covenant God. Righteous. He's also righteous. And he's also merciful. Gracious, righteous, and merciful. The attributes of God do not contradict, they complement one another perfectly, and they are revealed to us. In his word. The reason God ordains trials in our life. The reason he ordains difficulty in the life of his servants. Even the most grave and difficult kinds of trials and difficulties and loss. is to prove who he is. In other words, it's to glorify himself, to magnify his name. And he does it bountifully. He is gracious. He is righteous. He is merciful. He preserves the simple. He doesn't pick wise and and brilliant people. Sometimes he does. But most of the time, it's a simple-minded. He loves to rescue the weak. Remember, David wasn't the, 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 the biggest son of Jesse. He was not. He was an afterthought. There were, there were all these strapping sons of Jesse and, and uh, Dad Jesse. He didn't even have time to call David. He said, that's a waste of time. And remember Samuel's words, I, I didn't, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. I don't judge externals. This is God who is merciful, that chooses the weak things of this world to shame the wise. Verses 8 through 11, he is Delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living because of His his deliverance. I can walk in the land of the living. I I trusted in the Lord when all the externals told me not to trust the Lord, when everything looked so bad and so horrible that I, I couldn't trust Him. God spoke. And he believed. I believed even when I spoke and said I am greatly afflicted, I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for his benefit? Because of his great deliverance. Again, we don't know which deliverance, in what circumstance, what time it was in David's life. There were many, but God has him write these words as a model for us to pray as a church collective, as we have already prayed twice. You know, when you sing, you pray twice. That's that's why it's so glorious to sing the Psalms, right? God is merciful to his people. And even in in, uh, a a desperate time, when the depravity of man is on such full display, God is with us. There's a Roman, um, rather, this incredible verse 11 here. What what truth? I love the very simple, sublime way the ESP translated. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. The Apostle Paul takes this part of part of this verse in Romans three, verse three, to describe the depravity of man. He quotes this. And um, I think think the um, translation there is every 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 man is a liar, something to that effect. Everyone is a liar, in contrast to God, who speaks the truth. Um, We live in we live in a time where the lie has been has become an accepted part of the public of public life. Some people, some people lie when it would be easier and better for them to tell the truth, right? Yeah. <laughs> why, why, why is this? This is again, it is the fallenness and the wickedness of the human heart is just the, the depravity of mankind. What, what how, it, goes, it is primeval. It goes back to our first parents. What was the mechanism that Satan used to to deceive them? The word deceive is your clue. He lied to them. He said God has not said in his word that if you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. He, He didn't say that. He deliberately twisted what God said. And Adam and Eve at the same time believe the lie. And the result is every one of their progeny has believed and told the lie except for Jesus. And the truth of God is summed up in the person of Yahweh here, the Lord as it is translated here, who is nonetheless the person, the eternal person of the Son of God, and we can fully understand it if we put the Lord Jesus here who said, before Abraham was, I am, said he was the covenant God. He has shown to undeserving people grace and righteousness and mercy. And having begun to do that for his people, he will not stop. So it brings about the rhetorical question in David as, he, as he's praying, as he's pouring out his heart and the Holy Spirit's moving these words to be written down and inscripturated for us. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits for me? What, what possible thing can I do for him in exchange for all that he has done for me? is a question that each of us should ask. What is it, Lord, that you would have me do? What is it that you are calling me to do? The Apostle Paul, who you quoted the psalm earlier in chapter 12, I believe, tells us, and I think we rightly read this uh, in uh, Understanding the application of grace for 11 chapters in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters, all pounds the great gospel truth of salvation by grace alone through faith alone, that we're, we are saved uh, not by our own merits, but we're saved uh, by the the grace of God alone and it is his sovereign grace and he has ordained everything in our life for our good he's ordained everything that has happened in the nation of Israel in the life of his people uh, for their good and for the good of the nations where the gospel is going forth as a result Uh, but and so at the conclusion of chapter 11 um, he gets to the application the first eleven chapters have been the doctrines of grace pounded in every way that he could think of, from based on the Old Testament scriptures, and then in chapter twelve he suddenly pivots to the application of that grace. After the soaring doxology that completes chapter eleven, he begins his application and says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other words, you owe him everything because he has given you everything more than you could ever possibly imagine. Therefore, what will I do? I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. In a very real sense, the cup of the Lord's Supper is the cup of salvation. The cup that well, Jay will hold up here in, in a little in while, represents the cup of God's grace in the blood of Jesus, shed for sinners. We don't come here to drink a cup of wrath unless we have come with an unexamined life and a life that we are, we are in reality, in secret, despising the Lord, then it it becomes a cup of judgment rather than a cup of grace. But based upon the grace of God and the deliverance that he has been given, David cries out, I will drink, I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. It's not a cup of judgment because Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath. He picked it up and he drank it down to the dregs to where no more wrath rests upon any of his children. He has taken it away. I will lift this cup up and I will call on the name of the Lord and I will pay my vows to the Lord. In the presence of his people, I will offer myself up as that living sacrifice, which is the only reasonable response, is what Paul says. It's the only reasonable response for God who has done everything for you in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus, and he will preserve your life. David confesses in verse 15 the truth that we all need to hold dearly, that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his, his saints, the death of his godly ones, some of your translations say. David was near death how many times in his life? And every time God delivered him. And every time he was fearless in the face of death because he knew that his death would be precious in God's sight. This is how the believer faces death. We're not afraid. Not for long. Because my death means I'm in the presence of the Lord. He ends with this confession of faith. I'm your servant. Oh Lord, I am your servant. And he repeats it for emphasis. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. Again, the imagery is back to Egypt where God broke the bonds of the children of, of uh, Israel in the slavery of Egypt. And when he called them out and, and brought them in, uh, in uh, across the sea, what did they do? They, they uh, instituted the, the Passover. They celebrated the Passover in advance of being delivered and every year they were reminded of this great deliverance and they would sit down and they would uh, have this Thanksgiving meal for God's deliverance. And that's what we do tonight. In closing, just to remind you, that's, this is um, I think it's First uh, Corinthians 5-8 where the Apostle Paul says Christ Christ is our Passover. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast. We celebrate in in this sacrament our deliverance from death, our deliverance from heaven, and we do it with great joy. And what shall we render to him In in our worship, in our vows of, Membership and our vows that we take to, to speak the truth in every circumstance to keep um, God's commandments as he has enabled us. We do this not as a burden, but we do it from joy. And when we understand it, it transforms us. It transforms us with the love of Christ. And why, again, do we love him? Because he first loved us. And once he began to love us, he has never ceased to love us and he never will. And we can be greatly confident in this. Let us prepare our hearts and be a present word and judge this day. Father, do bless to our understanding the meaning of the glorious gospel. We thank you for David and his life. Thank you that the Holy Spirit that you used, uh, David, to write down these very words, to sing songs of praise and thanksgiving for your miraculous deliverance. Father, as we uh, meditate upon your word, as we approach your table, fill us with joy, the joy unspeakable that comes from being forgiven, and the confidence that comes from your eternal love for us. And uh, we pray that. You would bless us and and have this truly to be a a time of, of great thanksgiving. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.